There is no other podcast like this, so proceed with caution as we challenge your beliefs by providing the forbidden information kept away from you and your family by modern medicine so they can keep you on the path of drugs for anything and drugs for everything. Hundreds of years of preventative medicine have been destroyed by Big Pharma. We're in the dark ages of true healing. After all, it's not just about living long, it's about living well. If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Now prepare to have your consciousness explode into the next evolutionary stage of human existence with your hosts, Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. Stockwell. Hey everybody, this is Mary Stockwell. I'm here with Dr. Jack Stockwell. Today's going to be a little bit different podcast than we've done in the past. A little more somber, but a little more comforting. Today's podcast is on how we die. Yeah, it, this is what we want to talk about is what happens just before death. I guess you could say how the processes of life become the processes of death. Yeah, this is kind of forbidden information in that it's a little taboo. It's, you know, death is probably the last taboo, maybe sex before that, but death is the one we just don't talk about. I don't know that it's forbidden, but we just don't Well, go it's into an it. uncomfortable thing, and unless you are in the business of death, like you run a mortuary or mm -hmm. you are uh, an attending physician in a hospital in, or hospice. In, in terminal situations or a hospice mm -hmm. worker, you may not be all that familiar with this, even though you know it's coming for all of us. Yeah, it's our final fate, but we hardly ever even consider it. We're completely surrounded by death all the time. Do you know 277 people will die in America before the end of this podcast? Not because of this podcast, but... <laughs> 277. Five every minute will die. So what we'd like to do today is tell you what happens in those last few minutes of death to, to ease your fear, maybe, or to help you help somebody else pass over. But we're going to explain the physiological processes of what happens, because spiritually, that's, you know, everybody has their own opinion on that. But we seldom witness death. We just, we just feel like you would feel better if you knew what happens when we die. So, we bring this up because we've been, I've been asked this a few times by patients, and I did a radio show on this some time ago that, to my surprise, turned out to be one of the most popular shows I had ever done. Yeah. And people were always asking for copies of it, or do you have a transcript of it? And I've looked for it. I can't find it. Well, the thing that we need to understand, too, is that we're in the midst of death all the time. In fact, in utero death was going on with ourselves. So we know how to do this. We're good at this. Now, what do you mean? You know, when you're in utero, your fist, as it's coming, you know, forming, it's just a, like a flap. Or it's like, a, yeah, it's like or a, a flipper. Yeah, like a flipper, if you've yeah. seen those pictures of embryos. Yep. And in between where your fingers are going to develop, there is death going on. Cells are dying in between, so we can have a sculpted hand or sculpted nose or sculpted feet and toes. There is literally death going on between the fingers. Cells are dying. So we're, we, we've done this since we've been a baby. Our, our very body, the very body you're using right now that you're breathing with and I'm talking with is very good at dying. Yeah, there's cells that uh, as soon as the fertilized ovum finally bursts open, mm -hmm. which it, I think, I can't remember if it has 16 divisions in it. I mean, 16 cells or 32 cells, but 64 cells. Somewhere along there, the cells are replicating, replicating. And there's so much pressure inside that cell wall, it just bursts open like a balloon and the cells spill out. That's our beginning, just mm -hmm. a mass of cells. Mm -hmm. And as those cells begin to differentiate, differentiate, they're all exactly the same at this point. Mm -hmm. But as they begin to differentiate, they begin to form different kinds of tissue. And as that tissue forms, as you've just so beautifully described there a moment ago, some of them have to die in order for others to come along and form the human body. And the whole concept of human development the genetic aspect, the human, the, the development, the formation of our bodies. It's one of the most fascinating classes I had in school. Yeah. 
And that's and birth. We're going to talk about death. The other end. Yeah, the other end. Death, because it doesn't come as a single quick event. It's well, for a slow winding That's down. the one we're going to talk about. Yes. We're not going to talk about the bad car accidents, the plane crashes, no. or LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, who's the, you know, Kennedy's vice president, became president during the Vietnam War. Um, the Just the day before he dropped dead of a massive heart attack, his cardiologist had done an EKG on him and told him his heart was just perfectly okay, you're fine. He had a full body. Yeah, he had a, he had a full body exam, mm-hmm. and the cardiologist says, you're just fine, because the, the EKG shows, and the EKG only finds damage. If there's no previous damage, no scarring, EKG will look good. But the very next day, boom, yeah. falls dead on the floor. The first symptom sometimes of heart attacks is death. So we're not talking no. about that type. We're talking about where you know it's coming. Yeah. Some terminal condition, old age, whatever. So. You know, we're always in the business of trying to prevent death. I mean, that's what the Forbidden Doctor is all about yes, in our clinic and yes, everything else. And to live well. Yes. And we, I just received um, some texts from a good friend of ours. Oh, this is, you were, you were, uh, this was masterful. This this uh, lady who's a good friend of ours, her mother's in the hospital, and she's being given the hospital runaround, the yeah. hospital treatment. Yeah, I mean, they're doing their job, their crisis care, but that's all they consider in there. She sent me this text and she said, no change, but she is very weak. Her heart rate has, has stated, I think, or stayed around 50 slash 60, which is good if but a little low. Her blood pressure is too low, 91 over 33 right now. Doc thinks it is the medication keeping her heart rate in a good place, but her weakness in blood pressure is alarming to him. So it's just bed rest today and monitoring. They also think she has an ulcer. Previously, she was bleeding out her nose. Yes. She was coughing up black blood. I know this lady also. I've seen her. She has black bruising all over her arms. And her legs. But no blood thinners. No. She's not taking blood no. thinners I that mean, would cause that. It kind of looks like she's just kind of, now correct me if I'm wrong here, Jack, but de-differentiating in that her whole body is just collapsing. Yeah, her the body. The cellular structure is. Well, something's changing. Yeah, it's not the, just, she's not just dying or she's not just very, very ill. Something is changing inside. Yeah, I mean, every cell has to be healthy in order to have a whole healthy body. You know, it's kind of like in a marriage where each person has to be healthy. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking physically healthy so much, but I'm talking emotionally healthy. They have to have a good grounded sense of self, good self-esteem, good... Um, they're separate. They're completely a separate person. If they were kind of wishy-washy and kind of, well, what do you think? And I like what Bob's doing over here. But with, the, you know, a real strong person, if you think of them. No, they, they have to own their presence. They are separate. They are healthy yes. and they are separate. Can, and, and so to have a good marriage, you have to have each individual person be as healthy as you can and completely separate, akin to a liver cell is completely a liver cell and a kidney cell is completely a kidney cell. We need to have that differentiation between, but they have to be, you know, really strong in this. And we were laughing about this this morning when I was saying, you know, wouldn't it be sad if you had a, a poor little, you know, liver cell that said, well, I don't have really good self-esteem. I, I, don't, I don't really know what I want to be. I don't really know. Should, should I really do this chemical reaction? I don't know. Maybe, you know what, I'm going to wait and see what this other cell's doing. Yes, and then yes. maybe I'll do it. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of silly, isn't and it? And we were laughing about it. But isn't that fascinating how each cell has to be super healthy and strong? So she wrote me this. She texts and I said, um, I'll call her Sharon. That's not her name. But I said, Sharon, I can't just sit around and say nothing. Your mother needs immediate, at least chlorophyll. Ulcers can be cleared up in three days or less with just chlorophyll. And of course, she needs to be chewing Cyruta Plus at the very least. She needs to be eating fat, good saturated animal fat. It's like a crisis that's being completely ignored. She needs to rebuild now and fast. Medicines don't heal. She is in a crisis, a crisis of healing. To ignore that is life-threatening. She not only needs her life saved with the medicines, she needs to heal quickly and fast. 
and given everything possible to enable that to happen. And then Sharon went on with a couple little things. Oh, she can't do this and they won't let her do that. And I said, she's not owned by the medical system. We need not be intimidated by the white coats as if them and only their opinion matters or is valid. It's almost as if a gun is held to our heads, a gun of intimidation that we know nothing, that we know nothing of what we need. And then I go on and tell her how to take some of the pills and how she needs to chew them. Anyway, and then I talked about my daughter, whose life I think I saved. And then you wrote in, you're a champion, Mary. Well, you are. That was (laughs) to stand up against that kind of monolithic authority. Yeah, I had just had it because, yes, she needs the life-saving medications, but they completely ignore the crisis of her healing need. She needed to heal desperately. Well, this is also desperately. This is also a part of the sterile community in which this works. Remember up at Primary Children's Hospital? Yes, you couldn't know what was going on. Nobody would tell you anything. We went up and visited a person up there, um, little boy that's having some real problems. In fact, he may not live either. But while we were there, um, at another time, actually, a little 18-month-old girl died. Nobody got to know anything about that. They didn't get to know what happened why she died, what led up to it so other people could be aware of this. You know, it's so, it's so forbidden. It's, it's kept away from everything. So people die. 277 will die while we're doing this How podcast. How many billions so, of cells will die? In, oh, I have that. One billion, One billion cells in your body will die every minute. This is, you know, we're good at this. Yes, we're good at dying. <laughs> we are. We're made to die. We're made to live. We're also made to die. Apoptosis, the natural death of a cell. And the idea is for that cell to be healthy enough that it doesn't die until it's programmed yes. to die. Mm-hmm. And then it will create another cell through the, the relationship of DNA and RNA and the mitosis process of splitting cells. A cell will take its place. The other cell will die. And then you have garbage men inside the bloodstream, the macrophages mm-hmm. and other lysosomes and other things that will eat up that cellular debris. The, the final waste stuff gets into the liver and goes out through the colon. That's why when the organs shut down, you're very, very yes. near death. Yes. When you're not peeing anymore, yeah, the debris can't get out and you become toxic. That- well, there, there are some control systems inside the body that keeps us alive. And there's some, you know, just... Just three that I want to mention, three basic ones that are involved with making sure that we stay alive and that the things are taken care of and the regulation of oxygen and carbon dioxide concentration in the lungs, in the fluid. There's the regulation of arterial blood pressure. And then there's just the the normal extracellular fluid constituents, what we know as electrolytes and basic chemical balances. Those three things that are monitored from nanosecond to nanosecond to keep us alive. That's why we uh, eat the f- eat good food is to make sure those three processes. There's other ones, but those I just using those three as an example because as we begin to approach death, those things begin to change as our breathing begins to slow down, and we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, the carbon dioxide concentration uh, is regulated in a totally different way. As, uh, as that starts to bring on the process of death. The uh, blood pressure, as the, as the uh, carbon dioxide begins to build up, and then there's a, a pH balance problem, the, and the breathing slows down, uh, there's a drop in the blood pressure that goes along with it, and then the body has a hard time maintaining sodium potassium balances to keep the heart beating and to keep the electrolytes going. And all these things begin to take uh, place in a sense that the auto-regulation of the body begins to be deregulated and the process of death begins. Yeah, you were telling me this morning about what happens if you don't get your dialysis, if you're on dialysis as a diabetic. Well, well, of course, when you have kidney failure, and there's other things that can lead to that. Uh, Most people on dialysis are there three times a week. Mm -hmm. And dialysis, dialysis can take up to four hours. You're hooked up to a machine. And it's washing your blood yeah. of all the things that your kidneys can't wash it from anymore. But there, there, if it hasn't happened uh, to our listeners here, it will happen before long. Uh, I've attended the death of, uh, of, of a few people, probably two or three 
I think, outside of a professional setting. This is with friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, I, what I want to do is to go through those signs of dying, to mention them here briefly, the things that begin to take place. Because if you are with a loved one, and uh, even if it's a, a traumatic thing and you're there at the ICU, or if it's a long-stage cancer or some other kind of terminal illness, as you get closer and closer to the end, there's certain things that take place that can be a little disturbing, a little unnerving for some people if they're not familiar with it, if they haven't seen it. And I thought we might list a few of those and go through them. Yeah, because Sharon's mother might die. And it's, it's fascinating the way we won't even look at anything about death until it happens. Yeah, we, it's one of the major denial things of our and life. And it's so final. And, and so you're, you're grasping on to medicine, which is wonderful. They do a great job avoiding death. But there is so much destruction going on in this, her mother's body right now that in my opinion, I think she, there, there should be one last ditch effort to rebuild at an accelerated rate and give her cells the nutrients they there need. There are things that can be done, but it's outside. It's not even on their radar no, screen. it's not. They and she doesn't have cancer, it. so it's not like they were expecting her to die, but her blood pressure fell so far, and she's obviously bleeding. Yes. And things are just kind of not working well. Well, let me mention a few of these things, because as the body systems weaken and there's less oxygen that's available uh, to the muscles and the life force begins to weaken and, and more effort is required just to be able to take care of the everyday tasks, you're going to see one of the earliest signs is, su- is, is sudden weakness. They get, they get tired very easily. So you're talking about an older person. An, usually an older person. So or, this is or a natural death. A natural death. There's a lack of energy, and as a result, they begin to have a loss of interest in everyday things. You could be visiting somebody on a regular basis that's kind of terminal, and all of a sudden you think there's a personality change going on, and it's or they're or they're just a little yeah, boy. What you know? Maybe they're stepping into what, another. Yeah. Well, what happened to you today? I think no. They just are losing interest in everyday things. There's a withdrawal from family and friends that begins to take place. There's an increased sleepiness. They may drop into a coma. They may come out. They may go back into it. They may come out. They, uh, you're, you're sitting there with maybe you've brought them lunch or you brought them their favorite pizza or something like this. They don't want to eat it because there's a definite loss of appetite. Fuel, food is just simply the fuel that helps to sustain life. And as the digestive system gets weaker, it takes more energy to break down the food than they're going to get energy from it. That's what I was trying to look for. Thanks. That's exactly what the point I wanted to make. I've seen that in a family member. And along with that, there's difficulty swallowing because the swallowing reflex will begin to weaken and swallowing becomes much more difficult. And then you think, again, you you may take that personal. Don't take this personal. This This is just the onset followed by confusion. They may suddenly be worried about things that they don't need to be worried. This bill, this this relationship, this this meeting they're supposed to be doing. Well, remember with your mother when she died, suddenly she took me through your her apartment. And this was right after we got married. So this was a long time ago. And she was pointing out this ring needs to go to this person this yes. and then she said to me this bill is coming in the mail in two weeks and i need this taken care of and i was like oh mom you're not dying yeah everything's fine everything's fine see, I was don't not, be morbid yeah don't see, be morbid I, I wasn't recognizing these symptoms or these these attributes you know because she must have known yeah. somehow yeah she cleared everything out she she organized everything she tried to tell me where everything went. I don't know where you were, but she was taking me around the apartment and showing me everything. And I didn't even listen to her because I was in denial too. Yes. Yes. Especially when it's a close loved one like this. And the restlessness just kind of grows uh, into repetitive motions. They may be sitting there picking at the bed linen, at their clothing. They may be picking at the air. This is just a sign that there's less and less oxygen being made available mm. to the brain. Interesting. Yeah, and they're there, and you're trying to get them comfortable. You're trying to make sure they have something to drink. They may not want to drink. I read the book Wild just recently, and she, her mother died of breast cancer really quickly in 48, 48 days or something. And she says, I was in just, she was, I was adjusting the pillows 
incessantly, kind of obsessive compulsive, that she could never get her pillows right. So it's those types of things. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then as as they're getting weaker, they can't get out of bed. And they and they will fall asleep, and then you'll call her name, and they won't respond. You don't need to shake them. Always be aware of the fact that they're probably listening to what's going on around them. But as the brain, they're slowing down their breathing, and as the brain's getting less oxygen, there's actually less cognizance of what's taking place around them, and they may begin to be a little bit irritated. And then also, there's the elimination thing. Yeah. You know, because as they're getting weaker and they're lo- no longer able to get out of bed and the muscles that control the bowel and the bladder may relax, there may be some incontinence, some involuntary loss of urine or even feces may occur, and the person's going to be embarrassed. They might awaken if they're asleep. Just show them some dignity. Show them respect. Of course. Let them let them know that it's okay. Yeah. Of course. This is no time, obviously no time for judgment. There's going to be a change in body temperature. There's going to be a change in color because the mechanisms that control the body's ability to regulate temperature and getting blood to the surface of the skin where most of our skin color comes from outside of the melanin that's the natural darkening of skin. Uh, There may be some sweating. The skin may be cool. It may be hot. They may be kicking off the the, the bed linen but they may feel like they're cold. So you want to pull the covers on them, but then they want to kick them off because these, these, these are the signs of the onset of the shutting down of life. This isn't that they're, they're irritated or they just want to be cold. Their ability to sense these things is being distorted and disturbed. And then the breathing. You know, if the breathing is difficult with or without oxygen being given, sometimes just a fan blown over the body to give the sensation of having fresh air uh, can do an awful lot of good for them. But, you, you know, keeping the head elevated keep them, to keep them breathing, you want to have support of the lower back. And a change in breathing is significant during the dying process because when, they, when they're breathing out is no longer than it takes to breathe in. This is a sign that the dying process has begun. Because usually when you think about it, See, the process of breathing in is longer than the process of breathing out. But when you're attending somebody by their bedside and they're dying, you're going to find out that's not the same anymore. You're going to find out that the breathing out is is longer, is as long or as long as the breathing in, and the breathing in can get awfully short. There may be some rattling noise. It's often called the death rattle at the back of the throat that's caused by the accumulation of saliva because the person can no longer swallow because the swallowing is being disturbed by this. In that video that we watched last mm-hmm. night of a fellow uh, who was passing away, and he, um, he wanted his passing studied, oddly enough. And so it was filmed, and so people could learn from it. And there was that, that death rattle that mm-hmm. sounds, you know, if you, don't, if you haven't seen it, heard it, or expecting it, it can be an unnerving thing, but it's, they can't swallow, and the fluid is building up in the back of their throat. You know, sometimes just turning them with their head to the side can help drain those secretions out. Yeah, um, maybe we can play that. I don't want to be morbid here, but maybe we could play the last few minutes of hearing that man die in that video. Okay. Just play them. So we're, what we're going to play for you here is an excerpt from, it's called... It's a documentary called The End of Life. Yes, in four parts. In four parts. And this is a part of the fourth part where this fellow, you're watching his, uh, he has terminal cancer, Mm -hmm. an older fellow in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And you're watching this uh, processes going on around him, being attended to by his wife. Some days he's up outside walking around. Some days he's just in repose in bed and he can't move. This is the final probably minute of his life. Yeah, and, you know, this is a little uncomfortable to hear. Um, There's not much going on, but he's in his bed in his own house. He wanted to die in his own house. Yes. And the doctor is walking in because this is in Ireland, and I guess doctors made house house calls. Yes. yes. (laughs) And so this is stuff you never hear. This is kind of forbidden stuff that you never hear. So I'm sorry if this is a little rough, but um, his wife is sitting next to him, um, rubbing his hair and talking to him. She talks to him in German for a minute. I don't know what she's saying, but then she says some stuff in English right when he dies. Yes. So when he, when you hear her speaking English, 
you'll know he has but just passed. We just want you to hear the tenderness and the beauty of someone passing. You'll hear the death rattle. But all that is is a collection of saliva in the back of the throat because the swallowing reflex is no longer working. Yeah. So he's not swallowing. Yeah. So Okay. Here it goes. The doctor's walking in. He's putting on a stethoscope. The doctor just shook his head. He's just passed. Mary, Herpes just died. You know what we should do at the end of this podcast is put a link to this so people can watch the okay. whole thing themselves. Yeah, it's a it's it was done back in the nineteen eighties or nineties. It's a it looks like a VHS recording. Yes. But um, it's still really beautifully done. We took some of our text from this. But I thought it was so tender and so beautiful the way his wife was just rubbing his head and yes. said, now you're in peace. Yes. I There's another book that we just love. It's called The Simple Feeling of Being by Ken Wilber. Yes. You've probably heard of Ken Wilber. Well, his wife died of breast cancer. And in the last few moments of her life, he read something that was so beautiful. He said, relax with the presence of what is. Allow the self to uncoil in the vast expanse of all space. Your own primordial mind is unborn and undying. It was not born with this body, and it will not die with this body. Recognize your own mind as eternally one with the spirit. And then, right when she died, right before she died, he said, Taria opened her eyes, looked very softly at everybody there, looked directly at me, closed her eyes, and quit breathing. He said everybody in the room was completely there and present for her. Then the entire room began to cry. I was holding her hand with my other hand over her heart. My body began to shake violently. It had finally happened. I could not stop shaking. I whispered in her ear the few key phrases from the Book of the Dead. Recognize the clear light as your own primordial mind. Recognize you are now one with the enlightened spirit. That's just incredible. The light. Recognize the clear light as your own um, primordial mind. That's a way you comfort somebody. That's a way you comfort somebody that is dying and comfort yourself also. There's a Buddhist tradition that the more peaceful the people are around someone who's passing, the more peaceful the passing is for the person who is passing. Mm-hmm. And that if there's a lot of crying and weeping and wailing and all this, it makes it very difficult for the person who's passing to go through with it because they become attached emotionally to the person who is or persons having such a hard time with their departure. This is um, this is a interesting, um, I don't know if I'd call it a prayer. It's a simple practice for someone who has just passed. And if you are into NDEs, and Eben Alexander, the neurosurgeon, has an incredible NDE. 
There's so many of them out there, but if you're into NDEs, you may be respectful of the possibility that when the body stops its processes of life and not just clinical but biological death has occurred, mm-hmm. um, they may still be present. Yeah, as Anita Morajani says. Right, and we can talk about her in a second. Sure. And this is, this is something that I, I came across that I thought was very interesting, where you would put your hand on the top of their head, even though they seem to have died. You put your hand on the top of their head, and you say out loud or silently to the deceased this particular practice. Now you have died and will leave your body. Your work here is finished. There's nothing you can take with you. Let go of everything, including all regrets, and be your true self, a being of light and love for all those you have known and not known. Now you can learn everything you need, generate supreme faith and devotion to your refuge, and now the wish to be unified with your God. You could take that little clip, honey. Yes. That sounded so beautiful. If you don't want to say that yourself when somebody dies, you could cut out that little clip of you saying that. That was beautiful. Oh, you mean for what? those who are listening? Yeah. For that the, they could edit that out and play that at the passing yeah, of someone. Yeah, your voice is so comforting. And that now you've died and you'll leave your body. Now, here's another thought. Oh, I... I get a little itchy when you say things like that because I know I'm about to hear something incredible. What if you said that to yourself and rebirthed yourself? You mean irrespective of dying? Not physical dying. Staying here, but saying something like that to yourself. How about if you said, now you've died and you will leave your body. Your work here is finished. In other words, all the work that you've done up to this point to become something is finished. There's nothing you can take with you from all that learning, all that experience, that angst. We're going to rebirth you, let go of everything, including all regrets. Wow. How'd you like to rebirth yourself that way? Let go of all regrets and be your true self, a being of light and love for all those you have known and not known. Now you can learn everything you need. Now you can. You can generate supreme faith and devotion to your refuge. Inside yourself. Your soul. You blow me away and sometimes, be Mary. unified with yourself, that at-one-ment of self. What if you had a death like that? What if you had a kind of a ceremony and a death like that for your own soul while you're alive? Because, again, this is we a... Need, fr- we need to do a podcast on this. This is the Forbidden I can, Doctor. I can see you getting really jumpy there right now with this. This is stuff that you don't hear anywhere. We think we have to do the program stuff. We have to follow the the white coat guys and girls that say, this is the way we die. Well, how about, how about if we die now? How about if we die to our former self? How about if we die to all our regrets? Die to our guilt. Yeah, die to that. Die to our disappointments. You're at the end of all becoming. Wow. How, that's where we all want to be. Some of us just want to die just so we can be at the end of all becoming. We're so tired of trying to become something. How about if we did that now? How about if we came to the end of all becoming right now and not have to physically die and be reborn right now, right today? Wouldn't that be? (laughs) You're going off script. I know. (laughs) But this is great. And, I'm not and I can listen, read, I'm not going to stop the, you. I can read Buddha's poem, too. I've got to find it. This, but. Is, this is great. This is, you know, I wasn't expecting this. This is... Uh, That's how we die. That's how we're really born. Because dying and being born is going on all the time. It started in utero. The minute we were born, we start to die. We have dying cells all the time. Let's bring this whole thing in together, like I said, with the cellular structure of having a grounded 
healthy sense of self. And let's be reborn right now. Let's let go of all that. Let me look for that poem. While yeah, you, because you I, I had, I had all these physiological <laughs> things I wanted to talk and about, and we still want to hear them. We well, do. I don't know. You're kind of blowing me away. No, we still want to hear those. You know the, 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 the cell, the, the individual cells inside of our body, whether it's a brain cell or a heart cell, liver, kidney, ovary, whatever, is a microcosm of the entire body. The entire body has all these processes to keep it alive cellular metabolism and the blood pressure and pH balance and and oxygen carbon dioxide exchange tell us what happens but in the individual cell the exact same thing is going on there's intracellular pressure there's oxygen carbon dioxide exchange there's food coming in and and metabolites and waste products going out and as long as that takes place on a cellular level then our bodies can be healthy. And it's not, as you were always saying, Mary, it's not about living long, it's about living well. Mm -hmm. And these are the processes that allow us to be able to live well for however long that we live. But when those processes get messed up a little bit and they get a little retarded because of malnutrition, the big killer in America today, whether it's heart disease, whether it's cancer, whether it's diabetes, infectious disease problems, and a whole host of other things we could go into, it boils down to malnutrition when the body doesn't have what it absolutely needs to thrive. That's why I said they. It doesn't. That mother was in a crisis of healing. She needed to heal desperately and quickly. But in a hospital, they're not going to let you well, do Well, in that. a hospital, they're not oriented towards healing quickly. They're oriented towards taking care of the symptoms. And when it's a Kills crisis me. situation, then the symptoms of a crisis situation can kill you. That's why hospitals are so. Uh, so excellent in the healthcare that they deliver for an acute crisis situation. You go in there with a horrible knife wound or a bullet or a se- severe crushing injuries. And we would forget that part of it, of course. Well, of course when not. When we're trying to heal and prevent and all these these forbidden words that we're not allowed to use, we never. Th- we never go, oh, we just will not ever use crisis. No way. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. Don't even bring that in here. How stupid of you to try and save this person's life with antibiotics or surgery. I mean, that's ridiculous. But yet they go into a crisis situation and healing goes out the window. Yes. Yes. And then often the very intervening invasive care that's given becomes the cause of death. Yeah. So uh, here in America where... You know, in, in the entire Western nations where we rank so poorly behind other nations in healthcare delivery, when it comes to acute care, I mean, we're right there at the top. Yeah. If you are in a life and death situation, you want to be in an American emergency room. Yes, There's no for issue sure. about that. For sure. I would too. But beyond, when it's a chronic kind of thing. And then, you know, there's some other things that you might want to entertain and some other possibilities that you might want to do. So... As Mary was talking about here at the very beginning of, the, of this broadcast about differentiation, uh, where cells that are all exactly the same begin to differentiate into something different uh, so that those cells can perform a specific function. It just kind of stays that way as long as the telomeres mm-hmm. are healthy that allow proper DNA repl- replication. Uh, we will focus on shows that talk about that in the future about what certain kinds of uh, nutritional requirements are necessary for healthy telomeres. Uh, but it all boils down to eating that which Mother Nature made that comes from the earth itself, the vegetable kingdom, or something that ate the vegetable kingdom. That's where our health is found. And when we alter those things, then we alter the outcome of the body. And we started off talking about how we die, you know, what happens just before death. And, and because we were asked this by some patients of the clinic, we wanted to orient this discussion in that particular direction, but no. Well, <laughs> you threw you threw one of the biggest curveballs of my life, and that was one of the most beautiful things I have ever heard. To take that prayer at the dying of somebody and turn it around on yourself, and mm-hmm. let that old man, that old Die. woman of habits mm-hmm. and culture and programming and conditioning die. Well, and let to, a new person yes. be born. And I had to bring something in because dying is actually very simple. Anita Morjani, who wrote the book Dying to Be Me, which I recommend for everybody. Highly recommend this book. 
She said, dying, and she actually died. She said, dying is actually closer to doing nothing. It's very simple. And that's why I, I wanted to get a little more depth into this because everybody's so scared of dying. But the true scary thing is actually looking at yourself and actually letting the old you die. That's the hard thing, truly. We are so scared of doing that, we will let our bodies die before we will look at ourselves and rebirth ourselves. Wow. And that's what Anita Morjani did in her book, Dying to Be Me. She became herself, and that brought her back out of the death throes of cancer. I mean, she was dying. Her organs had shut down. Nothing was working in her body. She was in a coma. And yes, she could hear everything that everybody was saying in the coma. And then she died. And she said, when it finally became too difficult to hang on anymore, I let go. There was a total internal release. After cancer ravaging my body for more than four years, I was simply too weak to hold on. So I surrendered. I relinquished my hold on physical life. And I didn't feel I needed to do anything. I didn't need to do anything in particular to enter the other realm, such as prayer, pray or chant or use mantras, forgiveness or any other technique. She said moving on was closer to doing absolutely nothing. Now that's amazing because there are things I have to do tonight before I go to bed. And there's things I have to do tomorrow morning before I go to work. And there's things I have to do at work to deliver the goods. <laughs> and there's things I'm going to have to do to finish delivering the goods so I can come home <laughs> to do the things I have to do tomorrow night before I go you, to bed. And then you get to die. You, then, you know why yes, guys but, die before women, why, right? Why? Because they can. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So what you're saying, what Anita Morjani here says in Dying to Be Me, is dying doesn't require anything. No, but to live does require courage. To live does require living. Most of us are just living our lives as if we're dead, but to truly live, that's the kind of prayer you need to give to yourself. Don't wait to give it to somebody else or let somebody pray that over you as you die. Pray that to yourself, okay? This has been a good show. This has been a good podcast. I've enjoyed this. Yeah, I want to read the buddha oh do you have it yeah all right let's pull that up and give it to them right now because i remember you reading that to me 10 12 years ago okay here's the poem this is apparently the last poem buddha wrote all right before he died seeking but not finding the house builder i traveled through the round of countless births oh painful is birth ever and again house builder you have now been seen you shall not build the house again. Your rafters have been broken down. Your ridge pole is demolished too. My mind has now attained the unformed nirvana and reached the end of every kind of craving. There will now be no renewal of becoming. Wow. So the rest that we're speaking of, we're seeking, I should say, the rest that we're seeking in death is that we won't have to become anything anymore. That's what that poem says there. You are already everything. That's what Ken Wilber whispered into his, his wife's ear after she died. Recognize the clear light as your own primordial mind. Recognize you are now one with enlightened spirit. There's no more becoming. You're already everything. And there's no death and there's no rebirth. And we're all one. To me, that is a very comforting way to end of life. And I, there's lots of religious ways to comfort people as they die. There's some scary ways. There's some scary ways. Please don't do that. No, that's not what we're about. Yeah. So, so actually, the last thing that happens when you die is your organs shut down. You're not able to get rid of toxins. And that's usually what happens. You have kidney kidney failure. Mm -hmm. you, you're not processing the filtration anymore, so these toxins build up in the bloodstream. Those toxins affect the function of the brain. When those toxins reach the brainstem, where these life support functions are controlled, mm -hmm. heart rate, blood pressure, breathing, blood, blood oxygen, carbon dioxide exchange, blood gas exchanges, uh, when it finally reaches that part of the brain, 
then there is a cessation of breathing. Shortly after that, the heart stops beating if it didn't precede it. Then you have what's known as clinical death. The heart's not beating, the lungs are not breathing, but cells are still alive. Mm -hmm. The brain cells, and this is why this saying this thing with your hand on their head and saying, now you have died, you're going to leave your body, your work here is finished, as I was saying there mm-hmm. earlier. No more regret. They may still be hearing this. Yeah, it's so beautiful. As, as the next world begins to open up in front of them, they're still here in this world because the brain is still alive. But the, but the, the conscious, the higher brain is still alive because those cells will live another five, six, seven minutes without oxygen. Then they slowly start to die. And then other cells, they don't, the whole body doesn't die like you turned off a light switch. Right. There's different cells that die at different rates. Muscle cells can go on for a long time. If you've ever had knee surgery um, or a knee replacement, they will put a tourniquet on your leg to stop all blood flow from the thigh down so they can open up the knee, do their replacement, put in the artificial knee, sew you back up, and then let, then let the blood flow again without damaging all those muscle uh, cells in the leg that didn't get any blood And if the, because of the tourniquet. Now, if the surgery goes on long enough for a while, they'll let the blood back in there a bit and clean up what leaks and then shut it down again. The idea of this kind of surgery is to get in there fast and get out. But you couldn't do that to the heart. You couldn't mm-hmm. do that to the lung. Brain. You couldn't do that to the liver, kidney, or brain. Yeah. Uh, those internal organs need a rich supply of blood. And so when that blood supply is interrupted because the heart's no longer beating, then this cascade begins and death ensues shortly thereafter. And then rigor mortis. Rigor is just simply where the calcium pump is not doing its job anymore that causes relaxation of the muscle proteins. And so because that relaxation can't occur because the calcium pump isn't working anymore. Which relaxes you. Which causes the relaxation of a muscle. The muscle doesn't relax and it gets harder and it gets harder and it gets harder. And that's where rigor comes in. That can start just a few hours, a short short time after death with some people. Can go on a day, day and a half, maybe less than that for some other people. Uh, It's one of the way forensic you know, examination can usually tell the time of death by the stage of rigor if they find a body. And then you said twitching too. Yeah, there'll be some, yeah, that's all part of the- The nervous uh, system. The nervous system dying. dying. As the nervous system's dying, it's trying to stay alive. But you, you're not your body. Mm-mm. You're not your emotions. So rebirth yourself You're now. not your makeup. Yes. You're not that hair. You're not, you're not that curvaceous creature sitting you in know f- front of me right now. <laughs> There's I'm in this, my pajamas. <laughs> there's this life force deep inside of you that is so brilliantly beautiful and powerful that transcends this process of death. So what's left a few minutes after you stop breathing? A corpse. And based on our cultural training, we'll do, we may cremate it. We may take it to a mortuary and dress it up in, in, a, in whatever makes us happy culturally mm-hmm. and bury you in a coffin in the ground. But the real you, the most beautiful part of you that doesn't manifest itself physically still exists and still goes on and it can stay alive while your body's dying even right now i mean i know i keep trying to twist it around to that but you're not gonna let that go no so we're gonna have to do a podcast on that topic okay that's all there is to it but let's just wrap this up yes we need to wrap it up what we wanted to bring to you was the the beauty the knowledge that you know how to die. You are very good at dying because a part of you has been dying since you were created. The cells are turning over. Uh, just in the time we've been talking them here, billions of cells billions. have died. You have in your body, you know, the, the, the neurophysiologists say we have anywhere from 35 to 38 trillion nerve cells. Yeah. What about the rest of the body? I mean, you know, what's a billion? <laughs> what's a billion here and there? Because they're being replaced. Yeah, you're they're good at this. They're being replaced all the time. So. Hey, that was, I wasn't expecting you to do what you did. Because I'm looking at the script here and it's not there. But that was fantastic. <laughs> that was, that's the spontaneity I've had out of you for years and years and years. And it's beautiful. So what that, and that's what's beautiful is if you said those things 
to yourself while you're alive. Yes. Because physically dying is a no-brainer. Physically dying is a very natural process that you know how to do very, very well. It's more disconcerting for the people that are watching. But for you, if you're facing this in the near future, it's a very easy, it's closer to doing nothing yeah. at all, a surrendering. This is where we come to the what's known as the call to action. The only action <laughs> I think we want is if you would leave a comment about the show and give us your thoughts yeah. on death and dying. And we can read those. And we'll read them on, the, on a future podcast. You can go to ForbiddenDoctor.com. You can leave a voicemail comment comment if you'd like to yes. do that. If you want more emotion in it, you know how that doesn't come across. Tell us your story. Comment. Oh, I'd love a story. We'd, yes. We could play it on the air. We'll play it on the air. Yeah. Tell us your story or give us a comment. Other people would really like to know what you thought of this episode. And if they read your comments at the end, then they might be willing to come listen to more of The Forbidden Doctor. And that's our call to action. Yeah. Let's get this word out to everybody. Let's live while we're alive. Well, I, I can't say anything better than that. Sweetheart, that was that was beautiful. I really enjoyed this with you today. Okay. And All right. next week, we won't talk about hemorrhoids as we did last week. Yes. <laughs> or any other ooh thing. Yeah. We'll try to get a little more up podcast next yes. week. All right. We'll see you all then. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast and Mary's and My Health Secrets. Now, here's where you can help us help mankind by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really want to join Jimmy Moore, Bulletproof Executive, Lear Keith, and all the other revolutionaries in saving your families with their forbidden truth about self-healing. Please like us on Facebook and follow on Twitter at Forbidden Doctor. More information is available at ForbiddenDoctor.com or call us at 866-867-5070. We answer calls. These podcasts are provided for information only. The previous statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Nothing that was said is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.